Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, March 27, 2022. It focuses on Jesus' awareness of what is to come as the time of his return approaches. The message to all who will listen is God has revealed all that we need to know to face the future and all its trials with confidence in him. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. Let's pray together. God, thank you that your word is all we need to give us direction with your Holy Spirit guiding us through it. That we know what you want from us because you've revealed it to us. And so I pray, God, that as I bring your word to these people today, to myself as well, that we would hear and that we'd be encouraged and that we would find strength for this coming week and direction for the coming day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it's spring. You know how I know? Three weeks ago, cities across Kansas did the tornado siren test. That's how I know that it's spring. Nothing says spring quite like the piercing howl. Have you ever been close to one of those things? Oh, that hurts. It's like plug your ears. It's horrible. And this last week, the severe weather down south of us kind of reminds us that there's a reason that we do this. It's important. It's a sobering reminder of the necessity of having such alarms in place. Well, several years ago, we were living in Argonia, and I was called by KWCH News, Channel 12, out of Wichita, during a particularly violent storm. They wanted to confirm reports that a funnel cloud was forming over Argonia Friends Church. I received the call while I was in my basement, <laughs> huddled for shelter with the rest of my family. I had looked out the front door earlier and seen the entire sky just to the west of Argonia spinning around. And my reply to them was, I'm not going to go take a peek. <laughs> That's what they wanted. They wanted me to go confirm by looking at the sky that there was a funnel cloud over Argonia Friends Church, which was right next door. <laughs> and so I missed my 15 seconds of fame on KWCH News, I guess. So, how many of you are more aware of the weather this time of year? Yeah, most of you kind of pay attention to it. I grew up with a dad who loved the weather and wanted to know what was happening. And it kind of matters in places where the weather changes. If you live in Hawaii, ah, it's going to be sunny and warm. But here in the Midwest where we have the chance of tornadoes, well, I think we pay a little bit more attention, especially this time of year. We kind of want to know what's going on. And I think that the weather and the volatility of it kind of warrants slightly more frequent checks of our, the weather channel or the app on our phone. Being aware of what's going on is good. Setting your alert eyes on those dark and ominous skies from March until June is wise. I need only say Greensburg and everyone nods in understanding. There are, of course, other signs that spring has arrived. If you look out front, there's some flowers, daffodils, crocuses. I don't know the names of all the flowers, henbit in your yard. 
Buds on the tree, warmer temps, wet stuff falling from the sky, and the red robins bob, bob, bobbing along. It's an old song. Anyway, we had a weird thing happen the other day in Greensburg, speaking of Greensburg. After eating out with some of Susan's cousins, we jumped in our car that we had borrowed at the time. We looked up and there was a robin perched on the windshield wiper on the front of the car. I hadn't noticed it when I walked by, I just got in and looked and I go, huh, there's a bird on my windshield. <laughs> anyway, it just sat there eyeing me and I started the car, it didn't fly away, it was not a flighty bird I guess, I don't know. Anyway, we started the engine, didn't disturb the thing. The only thing that took care of it was I activated the wipers and then it flew away. So spring's here. <laughs> People have been figuring out the signs of the seasons for quite some time. In Mark chapter 13, the chapter all about the end times, Jesus, knowing what was to come, uses his disciples' common knowledge of the hints of summer's soon arrival to illustrate how they'll know that the time of his return is nearing. In the same way that you know that summer's coming if this happens, you're going to know that the Son of Man is coming if this happens. That's what he, he's going to talk about. Anybody here curious just a little bit about what's going to happen at the end? I don't think there's anybody in the, in the church that's not just a little bit curious and wondering and puzzling over some of the things that Jesus says and Daniel says and all, all those predictions of what's going to come. We kind of get curious about that. Many of us have read the Bible's prophetic words and we're interested who wouldn't be? The predictions are pretty fascinating, and some of them are kind of weird. Well, before I say too much about this, let's uh, hear Jesus' foretelling words from Mark chapter 13. And Linda is going to come and read the chapter for us this morning. As she comes, I want to encourage you to prepare your minds and your hearts to receive God's word to you. As the Spirit opens up God's word to you, ask the Spirit to reveal truth and expose lies, ask him to give you peace as you hear words that have perhaps in the past caused a little anxiety raising your heart. Jesus' intent is not to scare, but to make aware. You ready? The microphone is yours, Linda. Okay. Reading from Mark chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of the birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogue. 
On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings and witnesses to them. And the gospel must be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abominations that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house or take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be the days of distress, unequal, from the beginning when God created the world, and now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. God knows all things, past, present, and future. When he speaks of the things to come, things which have not yet happened, he's not speculating. He's informing, or maybe the better word is he's revealing. What we have here in Mark is a partial revealing of what's to come. Jesus, God's son, is pulling back the blinds. You know how you peek out to the blinds when you're watching neighbors? You don't do that? Okay, this is kind of a pulling back a little bit of the blinds so you can see a little bit of what's coming in the future. It's as much information that God wants us to know. 
that God the Father wants us to know in this moment. Jesus tells us, or tells his disciples, after they urge him to gawk at the magnificent buildings of the temple, he goes and says, they're all going to be destroyed. It's all going to burn. It's all going to be knocked down. Not a stone left on another. And this triggers a question or two in the minds of the guys who have been walking a step or two behind him when they are all alone on the Mount of Olives opposite the valley. A short time later, they ask in verse 4, Tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? You'd have asked the same thing. The temple looked immovable, so indestructible. Not one stone will be left on another. Well, tell us more. The twelve pose their queries, and Jesus launches immediately into this revelation, spilling the prophetic beans, so to speak, uh, on what's around the corner at this time. Before we talk about Jesus' words, let me remind you that what we're doing as we make our way through the Gospel of Mark is seeking to understand the character of Jesus. I won't mention every trait that we've covered so far, but I want to remind you that we've seen our Master as a compassionate healer, as a wise teacher, as a straightforward confronter of evil, and as a forgiving Savior. The characteristics of Jesus I want us to zoom in on today is his awareness. I'd normally say omniscience, that's a fancy theological word that means he knows all things, but perhaps you noted in the reading of Mark chapter 13, there's at least one thing that the son doesn't know. For now, I'm going to move on. We'll talk about that later. I just want to make you aware that Jesus' awareness of the past and present and most of the future is, and his willingness to share it with us is what is good for us today. He is aware and he is shining the spotlight on what's coming so that we as his disciples and the 12 at that time can understand. Now, we're ready for Jesus' words and his first sentence is a doozy. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. These words are an invitation by the guy who knows what's coming down the pike to trust in his revelation rather than in the lying words of pretenders and wannabes. Jesus, aware that there are going to be many claimants to the title of Savior, Messiah, Christ, warns his followers, watch out, deceivers ahead. This message is repeated just a little bit later in his speech. Uh, look at verses 21 through 23. It says, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So, be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. If there's a beware message we desperately need in our age, this is it. There are many, many deceivers out there, men and women who play fast and loose with God's word, putting forth their own imaginations as truth, asking the tempter's question, did God really say Hear me out. If anyone on the radio or a podcast or TV or wherever you're listening to them, if they, if they suggest that they know better than the people, than the theologians that have been teaching for the past thousand, thousand plus years, if they all of a sudden have new insights, watch out. Those who reject God's word are promoting immorality. They're smiling at sin. They're telling you to forget God's warnings. When you hear anyone preaching, and I'm talking about me too, 
Make sure that what they're saying matches up with all of God's word and not just with a single passage that's been taken out of context. Error begins with the reinterpretation or the misappropriation of the words of God on the pages of the Bible. Truth begins by their proper application. Let me read a few words from Barclay's Apology, the book that was published early in the history of the Friends Church, telling what we believed. And so, speaking to the Friends Church's commitment to the Bible, this is what Barclay writes. We do look upon them, that is the scriptures, as the only fit outward judge of controversies among Christians, and that whatsoever doctrine is contrary unto their testimony may therefore justly be rejected as false. And for our part, we are very willing that all our doctrines and practices be tried by them, which we never refuse, nor shall ever we refuse it, in all controversies with our adversaries as the judge and test. We shall also be very willing to admit it as a positive, certain maxim, or as a truth, that whatsoever any do pretending to the Spirit, which is contrary to the Scriptures, be accounted and reckoned as a delusion of the devil. Let me state what Barclay said more succinctly. If you think you can get away with promoting evil using the Bible's words while claiming the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're deceived. Or, as he said, delusional. Watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus is aware of the crazies that are coming. He reveals this to us so that we're not duped. So that we're not deceived. He is also aware of the things that are going to come in the political spheres around the world and in the natural realm. How many wars have taken place in your lifetime? Let's think here. Some of you were born during or just as the Second World War was ending. Do any of you remember the Korean War? Maybe a few of you. I was born smack dab in the middle of the war in Vietnam. Then there was the Gulf War, which started shortly after I graduated from college. And all of these are just the conflicts that our nation was involved in. Think of the hundreds and maybe even thousands around the world during the same time span that happened that we didn't even know about. What we're watching unfold in Ukraine is just another bloody skirmish in a long line of bloody skirmishes. It's not likely to be the last one either. We are, as everyone who's lived since Jesus' ascension back into heaven, living in the last days. Each time men take up arms against men, we see the evidence. When we see earthquakes shake cities and buildings fall, we take note. Every time famine threatens large populations, we remember Jesus' words that these are the beginning of birth pains. Jesus is just saying, this is the way it's going to be. After I go back to heaven and before I return, this is going to be the way things are. People are going to keep doing dumb stuff. The world's still going to be a mess. Earthquakes are going to happen. Famines are going to happen. This is just the signs that things are falling apart and we're headed toward the end. So, history progresses toward the end of this sin-corrupted creation and the establishment of Jesus' forever kingdom on a new earth with new heavens. Stay alert, keep watching, all this is coming. In addition to all these things, Jesus makes us aware that persecution is coming. don't look very excited about that. Uh, and we can laugh because in America we aren't facing 
things that our brothers and sisters are. Governments are going to bother people who follow Jesus. Governors and kings are going to threaten those who choose allegiance to the Son of God over them. Family members, it even suggests. Dads are going to turn their kids in. Kids are going to turn their moms in. It's going to be a mess. The enemies that you have are going to be people in your own household. Everyone will hate you because of me. Everyone seems like an awful lot of people. Think about all those in this community who reject Jesus as Savior, who want nothing to do with him or his church. Most of those people here at this present time are pretty good-willed people. They're not going around hitting you with a baseball bat or, you know, they're not beheading you or anything at this point. Maybe they might say something unkind behind your back, but most of them won't say it to your face even. Under the right circumstances, though, might they become so soured toward those who claim the name of Jesus because of their stance for truth that they might become part of that everyone? So, what's our job? Let us love those who hate us, pray for those who persecute us, and share the good news with them, trusting that the Holy Spirit will give us the words that they need to hear. May many of those people who currently hate Jesus and hate the church Come to know Jesus and put their faith in him before the day of judgment. Now, please don't be fearful when you think about these words about the trials to come. Jesus gives them so that we can be prepared to face them with a heart filled with trust in him, no matter what comes. Remember Jesus' words at the end of verse 13, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I can guarantee that that be saved part is the most important part. That being saved is going to be a whole lot better than the difficulties that we face and that it's going to be worth going through whatever happens. This is the truth. Let's cling to it. Jesus is our hope. And if we stand firm and follow him, we will be saved. All right. Well, we've covered all the easy stuff. Let's just go home. Just kidding. I'm going to do my best to briefly cover some of these more difficult matters. Almost all of them would take a long time to go into all the details, so please understand that I'm not going to cover everything in as much detail as perhaps you'd like, but I'm going to do my best to cover a few of the harder things. And they're harder because they're less specific in some cases, less easily interpreted. We know what it means to see wars and rumors of wars because we've seen those, and we know what earthquakes are, and we understand famine, and we understand persecution because we've heard words from people in, in other countries that have been through difficulties, and sometimes we face a little difficulty here, but what in the tarnation is Jesus referring to in verse 14 when he talks about this abomination that causes desolation? That's like, what? We'll try to make sense of this. So, first of all, if you have even the most basic of Bibles, the copy that you have probably has some footnotes here which, if you will look at them, refers three times to the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, there are these references, and you can read about them, about the abomination that causes desolation. It's spoken of three times by this the lion's den survivor, and I'm not going to dig too deep into each of these passages, but each of the verses, if you look at those, taken in context and choosing the simplest of possible explanations 
The abomination that causes desolation seems to be some sort of image or an idol that's set up in the temple or on the temple mount. It could be a ruler who sets himself up as king in Jerusalem. It could be the Antichrist and the image of the beast and things that are talked about in the book of Revelation. It's likely that it's uh, referring to the same thing. And Jesus doesn't really make this puzzle any less puzzling. He does seem to imply, though, that his followers, that's us included, that his followers will know when the thing's been set up. And you go, oh, that's the abomination that causes desolation. His followers will realize the fulfillment, and if they heed their master's words, they're going to get out of town. Is that what he tells us to do? When you see that set up, get out of town. Flee to the mountains. Interestingly, in 70 AD, when the Romans sacked Jerusalem because the Jews were rebelling against them, the Christians in the city saw what was happening and did what Jesus said here so that not one from the church was killed in the mayhem that followed. Is there another fulfillment to come other than the destruction of the temple in 70 AD? Many believe so. Do I know what it's going to look like? No, but I am confident because of Jesus' words that as a believer in Jesus, if it comes in my lifetime, I'm going to recognize those signs of the impending disaster and that I will be guided by the Spirit in what to do in that moment. Each of us will be. A couple more things before we're done. In verses 24 to 27, we're given a glimpse of the second coming of Jesus. This event is covered much more in depth than other books of the Bible, but here... Suffice it to say, when Jesus comes back in the clouds with great power and glory, everyone will know it. If you have somebody tell you, and this is the teaching of the Jehovah's Witnesses, that he already came back secretly, don't believe them. You will know it when Jesus shows up. And then there's this mildly confusing stuff about Jesus saying, this generation will not pass away before the fulfillment of these things. Was he talking about his disciples specifically? Was he talking about those who are living when the abomination that causes desolation is set up? Yes, and yes, is probably the best answer. Maybe might be even better, and I don't know for sure. It's probably the most honest one. But again, it's going to be obvious when Jesus comes back. We're going to know that it's happening. We're going to know that he's, he's arrived. No question. Last thing, what does Jesus, God's Son, not know? He doesn't know the day or the hour when these things are going to be wrapped up. He says plainly that God the Father is the only one who is privy to this information, how this works in the triune yet united nature of an eternal and omniscient, all-knowing God. I don't know. I simply trust that Jesus was aware of what the Father gave him to reveal to us and that we have all the knowledge that we need as followers of his. With what's been revealed, we can watch carefully and expectantly as we wait for our Savior's promised return. He will come. Keep watch. As we close, can I make it clear what we must do with all the info Jesus has made us aware of? Here's your... Here's it. Watch. That word is used three times as a passage. It bookends it. And verse 5, we've already talked about verse 5, but let me mention it again. Watch out that no one deceives you. And then at verse 37, the last verse, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. 
The only other instructions that were given in the 37 verses before us involve trusting the Holy Spirit to give us words when we're on trial and getting out of town when we see the abomination set up. Those are the only action steps. And the most important one, because he repeats it so many times and in other ways he also says guard your hearts, is to watch. Pay attention. Before I pause to allow you to respond to God's word, let me make one more thing clear. Watch does not mean worry. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Jesus did not give us these revelations to scare us, but to make us aware so that we can rejoice in him as his second coming approaches and watch for him eagerly, anticipating the good thing that comes when he returns and sets up his kingdom. If you think you might miss something, rest assured, the signs will be obvious. If your trust is in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will give you discernment. You will have the knowledge that you need when you need it. I invite you now to talk with God about what you've heard today. I encourage you to start with a word of thanks to him for opening up the future to you enough to assuage fear. And then you can pray for courage to do his will in the meantime, as you eagerly anticipate the salvation that Jesus will bring with him when he comes back. Find joy in Jesus as you pray. In fact, let me pray, and then I'll sit down and give us a time of silence and for sharing together what God may be saying to us. So let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness and mercy toward us. We thank you for revealing to us some of what's coming, enough to make us alert, enough to cause us to guard our hearts and our actions as we serve you and follow you, and enough to find joy in knowing that at the end of all things, you're going to make things right. So I pray, God, that you give us a spirit of confidence and that you give us peace in our hearts as we wait for your coming. Now, God, I pray that you would encourage each person as they seek you, as they listen to you, as they serve you throughout this week. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.